we're in studio today and we're going to talk a little bit about land. We've been doing a lot of talking about deer, but this is the Deer Land Podcast. So we're going to bring in some of the other half to the name and talk about what makes the deer possible and uh, what goes into that. So uh, I'm here today with our land specialist, Tyler Sellens, and also Louis Zinn and Mr. Ryan Kirby. So we've got one guy that sells land, and we've got three guys that have bought land and own their own farms. And we just want to go in and, and talk about uh, each of our properties, how we got to where we were, uh, what we were looking for, um, and then we'll get some insights from Tyler as well about uh, what he sees in, in people that are shopping for farms and uh, looking to buy or sell. So um why don't we start with you, Mr. Zinn? Um, you've got your farm. You've bought it, uh, what was it, three years ago? Yeah, three years ago now. Yep. And uh, so how'd that all come about? I mean, I know it's kind of in your neck of the woods from when you were born and raised. And Well, I guess, you know, you know, growing up in rural Midwest, your dream is always to own your own piece of land. I mean, I'm sure that was my dad's dream. And that was my grandpa's dream, and it's just kind of carried over from generation to generation. It's the original American dream, to be honest with you, is just to own land. Um, I I was lucky enough, you know, to be as sales rep in the industry, surrounded by guys that uh, purchased hunting land. I mean, they were, you know, they were a lot of them were buying it. Uh, making it better and then selling it a, a lot of them were buying it making it better and just uh, and growing it you know buying neighboring properties and making it a large track and uh, harvesting big deer and you know managing it the way they want but uh, so I always looked up to guys like that and uh, I think I bought my first piece of land when I was 27 years old and um it was a great uh, opportunity for me. Um, it was a, a great investment opportunity for me because it led to me being able to buy this property that I so live that's on. That's the one you sold when you bought this one. That's right. South that's of town. Right. Yep. And um, it was just a good investment opportunity, and it, and it panned out really nicely. I owned it for seven years and, and um, sold it and was able to buy uh, this last farm here three years ago and I remember I that a lot, Louie, because I remember you and I just walking on what's now your farm before you owned it and just going out and like there was wheat on it that year or, yeah. or a portion of it was yep. wheat and, it was. you know, just even looking at it and walking up on turkey strutting and realizing yep. that you'd already made memories there that you didn't have on what you invested in. Not yeah. that it wasn't a great piece of property, but it was an investment property for you. Well, I think all of us yeah. here, I remember Ryan and Tyler and your brother and uh, your dad, and we all shed hunted that. We went down there for one day, yep. yeah. And uh, thought, man, this is going to make somebody a nice place. I mean, you know, at the time I had no idea who was going to own it, but yeah, it was, it, it, was a, it was a piece of ground that wasn't far from where I grew up, born and raised. So before you get to this one, I wanted to, like, what was the story with the first one? Because 27 is pretty young to buy it is. ground. Yeah, so my dad, my dad was a farmer for his whole life, and he – he passed away, and uh, one of the farms that he had farmed for a lot of years, um, that family was uh, nice enough to offer me that property to buy mm -hmm. uh, soon after my dad had passed away. And I had to come up with a pretty big down payment, but um, I, I got it for the right price. And um, How many acres was it? It was 148 
acres of tillable property. So, wow. So a lot of people thought I was absolutely nuts for selling good good dirt for, um, in all reality, uh, 240 acres and mostly of it, most of it's you know brushy timber. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, um, especially in this area, a lot of farmers probably think I'm you know think I was uh, pretty uh, foolish to do that, but you know um it's a lot of return on investment is not always dollars and cents though yeah. I and mean, that's what some people yeah. don't understand too yeah you gotta look at where your heart is too i mean what you were what your goals were and and what you enjoyed in life too i mean it was the memories you've made yeah i mean yeah. that that's uh i mean it, my dream own yeah there. my but, dream was always to own a, a piece of hunting property you know i'm not a farmer right i'm a um i'm an outdoorsman that absolutely loves every part of it i mean i some days I, f- I feel like I should be a farmer with all the food plots and stuff I put in and you take a lot of pride in what you put into the dirt and you get back out of it. But, uh, it was just a good opportunity for me and it led to me buying this last property. Um, and I was familiar with the area. I, I hunted the, the area. I never hunted that, the farm that I purchased, but I'd hunted, I'd hunted neighboring properties and knew the potential and, uh, knew some of the deer that were in that area. Although I hadn't hunted it for probably um, five or six years uh, prior to when I bought it. I, I hunted a lot in Iowa before I, I bought that property. But anyway, it, it just, um, when it came up for sale, I was married. Uh, with, we didn't have any kids at the time. And, you know, uh, not only do you, do you have to be all in, but your wife is kind of have, you know, she you got to have her blessing as well because it's a <laughs> giant chunk of money you're and asking her to live in the middle of nowhere too yeah so uh, tyler and i with a best friend of mine we walked the property and i was in love with it uh within within an hour probably of being on his on his utv driving around um for a lot of different reasons i'll get into why certain properties uh, intrigue me more than others but um i had to talk my wife into it you know and she came out and said you know if we're buying a farm we're going to live there and uh this property had the uh capabilities of having a place where we could it, it already had a structure on it that was livable but she wasn't going to live in a, a hunting cabin so we had to add on to it and, and, <laughs> and you know, i can't have a blame garage her for that you and, know yeah, we had to put a garage on it and uh, uh some bedrooms for the girls and you know we made it a pretty cozy place so make it a little more sophisticated yeah, than, yeah. Then deer camp. Yeah, we yeah. we had to do. I had to spend a lot of money after I bought it. <laughs> I had to spend a lot of money after I bought it. But it's a dream come true, Mike. It's the most fun a guy can have with his pants on. Yeah, is owning, <laughs> is, is owning a piece of property and being able to go out and do stuff on it every single day. You're always thinking about it. And like and, you said, some days you feel like you're a farmer. You know, yeah. just from all the food plots. And I stuff. love. I love it. I love every part of. Uh, managing a property and and then also the farming part of it you know and i i cash rent it to a farmer that i've known for forever uh, a neighbor um i when he comes out and plants corn or beans or or sprays or combines i i want i I just drive out there and watch him you know partly because my dad is gone and and that's all i remember you know is watching him and you know harvest season brings back a lot of a lot of memories a lot of good memories so hopping in a combine is more fun now than it was when I was a kid. You right. Know? Um, you know, especially when you when you can tell him, 
you know, when I told my dad, hey, you going to leave some corn? He's like, nah, I don't, I don't think so. Well, now when I say, hey, leave some corn, he's got to do it because right. I, own the, I own the piece of dirt. But um, it's just it's the best thing ever. So when it comes to buying this farm, I mean, you know, as we all know, um, sometimes with buying these types of properties, you don't always get to have every single thing that you want. Sure. Uh, so was this one that just maybe checked off more of the, the boxes than you felt, you know, you were going to have a chance at anytime soon or just, you know, you felt like it had the potential to be yeah, close to exactly what you wanted? It, you it did. It, it contained a lot of different terrain features as well as cover, as well as cover different, you know, a lot of different uh, types of cover. It, it's got your creek bottom. Uh, Bear Creek goes through the southeast side of it it's got so it's got low-lying creek bottoms with a lot of uh maples uh cottonwoods stuff like that um and then once you get west and get up on top of that small creek bluff i guess you could call it then you get into the um you know the rolling terrain topography and then you get up into the hardwoods and you know it's got it's got big cedar thickets it's got um old overgrown pasture and then you get up on the far west side and you get into big white oak ridges that is the most beautiful place in the world yeah. if you're trying to kill a turkey or or even a, a, a deer so yeah it had a lot of that what it what, what i really liked about it was there's not there wasn't a square inch of timber that wasn't bedding area it's uh, thick it is nasty it's got a lot of diversity to it but it is thick it's it's really nasty multiflora overgrown pasture stuff almost to the point where there's certain spots that are too thick and right. i'd like to try to manage those i mean it's got it's got cedar thicket areas that the cedars are too big um you know cedars that are uh maybe the size of your thigh but if you're anything like me i mean you kind of like all right that's something on the list you can get to eventually yeah. and you know yeah. it's another um, project it is yeah, absolutely um so what uh what what's your percentage of tillable to timber it's a hundred and it's 168 timber, so and then there's about 72 tillable. Okay. Um, so it's you know pretty good percentage of it is is uh, is timber. The cool the cool part about the farm is most of the bedding is just about right smack dab in the middle, but also most of the tillable is is about right in the middle too. So I can stick food right up along some of the th thickest bedding you've ever seen. Yeah. Stuff you can't you know walk through. You've and literally then, got bedding scattered all over that thing where you can just i mean pick where you want to put your food and where you want yeah. to put your blinds and yeah i've always thought that if you could have a farm that held deer you know april may september october january february if you can hold them all year and then also on top of that have a lot of turkeys it's like the ultimate yep you know because most of the farms i always hunted yeah, the deer were there in October. You know, they were there from uh, July through November. But once it got really cold, they went somewhere else to find the big ravines and the thermal cover. Yep, and the food. And the food. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, I you know, last year I planted uh, a lot of soybeans, uh, probably six acres in two different spots, and there was one evening in in late December, and it was cold in Illinois in last December. I had 62 deer out in my three-acre bean plot. Wow! I mean, it was unreal. It was a it was a, a surreal moment, you know, realizing that you've got plenty of bedding and plenty of deer, and you've got a, a pretty good farm here. 
but that just no age class. There was just right. You but know, that, that's yeah. not always what it's about. You know, especially when it comes time to planning all those food plots and taking that time, money, and effort. You know, I know f- what I'm looking forward to is I'm hoping this fall or this winter when it's cold and there's nothing left to eat that I can go sit in one of these banks blinds overlooking my two and a half acres of standing beans that I have and see just a huge number of deer that are out there feeding that otherwise who knows what they would be eating if anything you know it wouldn't be preferred forage for sure yeah. that's kind of the justification of why you spend that time money effort all summer spring and summer long working on these food plots it's not always necessarily about killing the deer out of them i mean it's it's definitely for the the health of the herd i mean you know yeah. um it's be- actually the probably the you know you when you when you buy a property and then you put your priority list together killing the deer is way down towards the end mm-hmm. you know and that's i think that's that, that says a lot for us as outdoorsmen yep and and says a lot for hunters you know we don't uh, it's not about uh harvesting the animals especially once you start doing the habitat improvements and the food plots and which know, is never ending like for myself i mean before i did anything i just hunted it killing a deer was higher on the list but yep. then once you get into doing more improvements and yep. stuff it really does move to the bottom. And I said it at a few episodes ago that my season was a success before opening day ever got here. And then I just so happened I got lucky and was able to get one tagged on top of that. But um, it does change your perspective of things. So yeah. so you got a good turkey population as well. Um, it's it's great. It's, it's really good. And I've always known that area there holds a lot of turkeys, but I had no idea, you know, great. this last year was, was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Lots of, lots of gobblers and, and I, I it's think pretty noisy it, out there. I've the, seen that uh, you've had some dozers out doing a little work, and yeah, yep. So was that adding food plots or? Yeah, so uh, just you know, just when you think you're done spending money, and then you you think you need a food plot there, or, uh, you need to make a better road system throughout your property. Then you you know you 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 feel like you almost got to do it. So I luckily I've got some uh, friends that uh, have bulldozers, and you know are pretty affordable but um we did some dozer work this this last summer and uh probably added another three or four acres to the interior of the property wow so um just some areas that were close to bed um smaller plots like yeah several smaller one of them i made maybe it went from a quarter acre to three quarters of an acre and then i down on a creek bottom i added probably an acre um wow to one of them and then there's another area that i added probably a quarter acre to just yeah little micro plots um actually both of them uh well one of them's in clover now and then i I put a water hole in the middle of one of them which was kind of interesting right you know um i lived up in wisconsin forever and everybody up there just swore by water holes you know everyone that had a water hole was killing big deer so i added one and it's actually um it's it's interesting not just the deer that come to it and feed but everything or drink uh everything the birds the squirrels the coons bobcats coyotes it's pretty cool to set a camera over a water hole in the middle of a big bedding area yeah i added that uh the bank's wild water system uh this was my second year using it and this year i mean it was just unbelievable i had a bobcat sitting there drinking out of it and the coons and the squirrels and the birds and the deer you know and i'm not necessarily going to say that i ever think i will shoot a mature buck or an antlered buck or anything like that 
because of that wild water. Again, that's not why I put a water hole out there. I put it out there because I know that it's quality water that's always available for them. And I had, it's a hundred gallon tank and I filled it up twice in like seven or eight weeks this summer. I mean, they just went through it. Then this fall, it kind of died off. And before we had a hard freeze, I went and emptied it. And then just Monday morning or the other morning when it was really cold out, it had snowed. I, the deer were coming out and feeding and they walked right over to that and I had already emptied it. So they're trying to like lick some of the snow and some of the pooled water off of it. They get used to having yeah. that water there. And, and I, I think I'm going to add another one to another spot of the farm. And again, it is, has nothing to do with hunting. It just right. has to do with providing quality source of That's water. Right. And um, it's, it's, you know, especially in the summertime, you'll have a, your camera over the water hole and the different, all the different types of birds. It's unbelievable. unbelievable. And then the butterflies, and, you know, every time you go back there to check it, there's doves flying everywhere. And I, n- I never remember there being doves in this area. Um, it's just rewarding. And, you know, we try to we try to give them everything they need, everything a deer needs to stay on your property. You know, at night they can go wherever they want. Yeah. But you, you try to give them everything they, they need during the day, especially in the middle of the day and the heat of the day. And if you can give them great bedding uh, – and give them a water source they don't need much more you know they're going to browse they're going to browse on everything right and i've been watching that too i mean i've got all these you know greens and grains and brassicas and everything and i'm sitting there watching deer eat honeysuckle leaves you know i'm thinking what are you doing we were told to get rid of all that yes you know um but that just shows you that a that a deer will browse on whatever what it's right there i mean they're standing there and like a green leaf i'm gonna chew on it for a little while yeah the Uh, actually the first um the first set of the year maybe Tyler came with me, and he brought his camera, and we went down to the, I call it swamp bottom, which was the most beautiful spot on my farm until we had six inches of rain, and it flooded out. Like, the, my best plot on the farm. How high is the creek, Mama? Three foot and rise. Yeah, it, 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 I lost the Reconyx camera down there, Unbelievable. actually. It rose, it rose three feet in two hours. Unbelievable. The Reconyx camera actually survived. Those things are amazing. But um, we filmed um, – I got this beautiful, uh, you know, imperial white-tailed clover, brassicas that are shin to knee high, the most beautiful spot in the world. The soil down there is so rich and dark and black. And uh, and it's a spot where I had uh, Jay doze me the plot out, and uh-huh. he, he would doze the brush up in a big pile. Well, some of that dirt would go up into the pile, and then that new dirt would have – Oh, new, seeds new, weed, new yep. weeds. Well, the deer weren't even going to my Imperial White Tail Clover. They were going straight to the dirt pile eating and weeds. eating whatever. I don't know, ragweed or pokeweed, any whatever. Kind of but they were just pounding that that uh, new, yeah, the new generation that we stirred up when we dozed off. The Which is all the plot. same, you know. I, yeah. It wouldn't bother me a bit, you know. It, yeah, it's it was still awesome to watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any more, uh, like, big plans for the place? I mean, you, you, do you always have something coming? Well, yeah, my, my big plan is to get some of it in CRP. Uh, out of the 70, 72 acres, I almost had um, the pollinator program. Uh, I was ready to sign the paperwork. I had uh, Out of the 72 acres, there was going to be 50 of it in pollinator. Oh, wow. Which was going to give a me. a nice return on your investment And there. give me 22 yeah. acres of, of deer food. And uh, they ran out of money, and yep. the farm bill hasn't been passed. So my next big plan is to uh, CRP some of it. Maybe all. We'll see what the, the new farm bill uh, has to offer. And then I'll, I'm going to log part of it as oh, well. Oh, you are? I'm going to do some selective logging. 
There's areas that I, I want to just take everything that's there because I want to thicken it up. Yep. And then there's also areas that I know, um, you know, the forester was very knowledgeable. He walked the property with me, Jeff Brown, yep. local and guy. I, I got a, an appointment with him December 15th already. Awesome so I learned a lot. Um, there's areas that, you know, I could probably take more than, than uh, is marked but I don't want to lose those roosting trees for yep. the turkeys, you know, cause I know that gobbler roost over there in that big pin Oak or, or that big white Oak. And I just don't want to take them, you know, because I, it's not all about the financial aspect. Of that's it. right. You know, it's, it's that's right. bigger than that. Yep. It's and I've about, done a little TSI and hinge cutting and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's, I'd like to do some prescribed burning. Me um, too. Tyler and I have talked about it a little bit just to get some assistance from, um, just get some people in there. Yeah, maybe the local fire some. department can be on on hand because it makes me – every time I light a fire, it makes me nervous. But um, it needs it. I've got some some uh, malt flora that's getting pretty bad. There's honeysuckle starting to pop in, uh, up in some places, but it's not as bad as, like, what you have here right. north. Um, and then, obviously, I'd like to thin out the cedars and in certain spots. I mean, I, I think a cedar gets to a certain – size and then it becomes completely useless yep when a deer can't even walk underneath it um and nothing will grow underneath it then i think you need to take it out and then let the sunlight hit another spot and let get some of that native grass going you know the spots in my cedar thickets that are the best are those little pockets that go from cedars maybe eight feet tall to just like grasses right those deer just bed like crazy in there the native grasses the warm season grasses cool season grasses i think we've lost so many of them, you know, throughout, not just this area, but everywhere that, um, I think the people that put them back in quickly realize just how beneficial they are for cover and even some browse and food, but mainly for the cover and not just for the deer, but for the turkeys and, you know, their, um, to raise their brood and, you know, to, to nest on, um, the rabbits, you know, I, I put CRP in this year and, um, first year had to mow it a couple times. And as I'm mowing through it, you just see these lines going and all of a sudden rabbits just start shooting out everywhere. I mean, um, so many things can benefit to just coming back to having some, you know, yeah. what it used to be, you know, yeah, a long right. time ago. So that's right. Well, it sounds like you're, you're awfully busy, you know, starting uh, to get it dialed in a little bit. It's starting to figure out maybe you know the areas that deer are going to prefer and um it's it's so you know my deer um i shouldn't say my deer they're not mine but my when they velvet they're in a completely different part of the farm oh yeah and then as soon as that weather changes just a little bit and it gets cooler and then they drop that velvet and they testosterone changes and they they go to a completely different side of the farm and it's um it's crazy just how they move within a, a and you always hear area. about talking about summer range, fall range, and you know it's it's legit. That that yeah. is a, a, a real thing, and um, I just can't imagine having the the number of acres that you have. I mean, you know, Ryan and I are about a sixth the size of of yours, and I feel overwhelmed with just my thirty five acres. Man, you know that's a lot to to manage. I guess you got to kind of break it down into smaller tasks, and it, yeah, you know, yeah, Mike, if you had two hundred and forty acres. I couldn't. I, just, I said he'd be unemployed, <laughs> divorced, and broke. For yeah, sure. yeah. No, I could not. And honestly, it's a problem I will never have to worry about you, having. Um, you know, I'll be lucky to have sixty someday. But uh, my, mine, you know, I got lucky. It was it's pretty turnkey. Uh, the bedding was there. The food really. I mean, there was plenty of uh, 
agriculture right. around, but commercial. There really right. wasn't much for little food plots and uh, you know they strategic. Leaving, yeah, they weren't leaving the grain there. There wasn't much. Yeah, so I did a lot of that, and then the, the dozing I've just did this last year's. It, it's I've got some pretty sweet spots. Uh, you go in there, and it's it's a it can be a zoo with with the amount of deer you're going to see. Um, just the age structure's not there, but um, it should be next year. Yeah, next year, year after. What do you feel like made the most difference? Just the f- the one thing you've done that's made the most difference. Is it just leaving some food? Is it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would say. I would say. Uh, you know, I, th- I think if somebody were to buy a property, the most important part is giving them a place to sleep. The second yeah. would be to eat. Well, I had most of the sleeping part. Um, and then I just gave them a lot of food, which uh, is probably one of the easier things to do as far absolutely. as absolutely um, manpower yeah. and you know stuff like yeah. that goes. Yeah, um, I, you know it's hard to beat. I mean, we can get into food plots in a different episode, but uh, I put a lot of clover. I put a lot of imperial white tail clover so out, I. and it's just hard to beat. It is really hard to beat. And I and I like I like planting the big fancy good looking brassicas because you could plant one of them on a on this kitchen floor and they're probably going to come up and they're going to look good but as far as attractability i i don't know if you can beat just a good ladino white clover or imperial white tail clover and um and then the ability to get four or five six years out of it too you know if you fertilize it right and do a little bit of you know top seeding as you know time goes on keep the grasses out of it so just about every one of my clover plots i try to frost seed just a little bit i don't i don't overdo my frost seeding. not I even like to, a half rate or even no less i do a maybe a quarter rate, quarter rate. Just, and about two you're gonna know where the thin spots right. are right but i'll just go th- through there and frost seed it and then i'll i'll try and fertilize it every year with, like with np and k or just nitrogen uh i'm just putting uh nitrogen on it just yeah yeah yep. once a year or twice a year i just do once, once a, year. a year yep and i do it in july august okay. somewhere in there um, it's just, it's hard to beat, you know, yeah. you just keep it mowed and, uh, you know, I, I'll spray it every now and then with, try to keep the broad leaves. And Once the, it takes off though, I mean, it, it really can compete out, compete a lot of other yeah. things, but yeah, that's a, that is a whole nother episode, you know, that we will get into and, uh, some of our trials, tribulations, what we've seen have worked and, you know, this was my first year and, you know, I had times where I thought I just need to go out and disc it all under because it's not going to work with my clover. I mean, it was full of weeds and I thought this two and a quarter acres of clover I got is just, you know, money down the drain. Well, I started mowing it, you know, mowing the weeds short and then all of a sudden we got some rains and that clover took off yeah. and it looks like a picture from a painting yeah. you know i mean yeah. it it's unbelievable yeah. how well it took off filled in in places i never would have guessed um and it worked and this was first year i planted may 15th um is, is when i oh, i planted yeah. that so you get some good timely rains and your soil's pretty good and it was late summer when Cold that happened too you know but yeah. i had a great ph did a soil sample and you know fertilized it and it didn't need any lime i was at like a, a six nine i think so mm, uh, had, good. A, had a good ph but uh, still was nervous you know um but uh it it did take off so um, well, it sounds like there down at North Breck, you've got uh, a lot of stuff in the works, and you know it is a never-ending cycle. You know, it's. I think if we ever finished it, I mean, we would we would wouldn't know what to do. I mean, oh yeah, I, uh, I remember when uh, when the Forester came out and we looked at the timber and he marked it and you know kind of gave me a timber value. Uh, I said, "What can I do?" And and he said, "Well, you got a lot of ironwood, 
which is kind of a mid canopy type tree that it drowns out all the early secessional oaks that you want to want to get going he's like you know you might as well cut down every ironwood you got you know and, and then you got to spray the stump well there's oh. i got started and you, you just get on like half you get down like half one ridge and you're just like i could do this for 10 years for for 30 days straight and and i probably wouldn't knock it out and so. that's me with honeysuckle literally yeah. i mean you yeah. know they say we'll take a small area well i will take a small area and just even if you just go spray it let alone you know um cutting it and treating the stumps i mean it would take a village of people six months a year in perpetuity, I think, to, yeah. to stay on top of it. I mean, yeah. I don't know what the solution to that is. That's something else for another day. But I know what you mean. You know, yeah. you think, ah, that won't be too bad until you get out there and realize just how big, you know, a 43,560-square-feet acre is. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, a, lot there's of, a lot of trees oh within my. that. Oh, my. I think just I'll, – I'll end with this. I think the – the you know, the, the one of the biggest things that attracted me to the property was how uh, – nasty and gnarly the timber was i think a lot of guys make the mistake of buying the pretty timber right you don't want to park and then they set themselves up for a lot of work if they want to hold deer yep i mean yeah it's the nastier the better yep you know um grant woods his story of his farm in missouri is 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 pretty cool what he's done down there if you've ever heard it he he bought a beautiful track of, of timber it looked like a state park you know most beautiful place in missouri in the ozark mountains i believe yep, yep. and he literally logged it hinge cut every bit of it and it looks like a tornado or hurricane went through it he went from having like two deer per square mile to having you know like 40 or 50 it's it's, it's unbelievable yeah. but he but he he made that property look horrible you know but that's what the deer liked yep. you know that's that that's what attracted them and that if that's what your objectives are then that's what you have to do yeah you know? yep. um, if you want something that looks like a, a park then you know you buy that clean open timber yeah. and you know if you want to make money off timber harvest and you know you're you're probably going to have to have a big oak looking state park right but if you want to hold a bunch of deer you're probably not going to make a bunch of money on logging yep but you're going to you're going to make a lot of memories on all the deer you're going to and the turkeys them. too you know they like they like a thick uh, a thick understory as Absolutely, well for and, nesting you know. sure. Th- there was a lot of us that went through the uh, QDMA level 2 deer stewardship this year and uh if you don't know who Craig Harper is, I encourage you to go look him up, learn about him. He's the man. Read every book, every publication that guy has ever put and out. And hopefully we can it. get him on the podcast and I mean, pick his brain. <clears throat> He's a wealth of knowledge. But but his big thing to people or to what he was kind of preaching to us a little bit was, you know, what are your goals? What are what are you as a landowner? Is your goal timber production? Is your goal deer production? You know, I mean, if, if it's timber production, you're going to manage your timber a different way than you are if you're, you, you know, not looking at the dollars and cents, but you're looking at the deer. Uh, you know, if you go out and you high grade your timber and you take your quality oaks out, you just took out a lot of your, your mass crops as far as your acorn and stuff. But if you're looking to go, you know, manage for the deer and the food, you're going to go out and you're going to take those, you know, he was a big advocate of going out and looking and, and when acorns are falling, figure out what trees actually produce. Genetically, they're going to produce more acorns. And, you know, you may have a great white oak over here that, you know, may not be worth a whole lot, and but doesn't produce it, produce any white oaks. Take it out. Leave the ones there that they may be the high-dollar trees, but they're going to produce the white oak. Um, so a lot of it's just goals of what people want to do. I mean, it's uh, – that was a lot, of, a lot of good information from that class, but he's and that's something I look forward knowledge. to do. I, I would like to start working on my QDM steward just to, 
yeah. learn, you know. The um, information online's endless. Yeah. I mean, there's there's well, so many different philosophies you're too not on, the, on the on the hinge cutting and the buck beds, and I mean, it's it can be a little overwhelming. I think some of it's maybe some snake oil, but uh, that's the thing you got to <laughs> decipher through the yeah. you know the BS to to figure out what what's real, and and I think you know a, a person if you're out there that you don't know, I mean, that was me just a few years ago. And I've got some great friends like, you know, some of you guys sitting here at this table that can help. But still, there's more information out there. And you start doing your research and you'll start to figure out people that know what they're talking about, that are not trying to sway you to do something, that there's no sales pitch in there at all, that it's just real information based on either science or real world experience. And if you can stick to following those two things, seeing the actual results, um, and then, you know, you can kind of stick with that source and it'd probably be a good source of information. So um, now we'll move on to Ryan Kirby. You are a new landowner. Uh, Brand just, new, man. Just this Dream. year, right? Yep, just yeah. this year. Uh, was it May? May, yeah, I bought. So uh, my story is pretty similar to Louie's. My dad was a farmer, uh, grew up here in Hamilton, and, um, you know, just when, when you're – your livelihood and your recreation and everything is tied up in land. It's a it's a dream to, right. to own it. You know, everybody wants to. And everybody that hunts wants to own their own land. Um, but I was looking for just a like a starter piece. And, you know, I, I live in, in Boone, North Carolina now. And so, of course, I could find something down there. But the, the, the deer hunting, the genetics, none of that. We don't have any of that down here. And um, so I was really looking fairly close to – uh, to my parents' place up here mm-hmm. in Hancock. And, um, you know, Tyler and I, he took me around and looked at a few places uh, early. Some of them are more than I wanted to bite off for a, for a starter piece. Um, but he had a really good idea of what I was looking for and what I wanted and um, basically just called me one day, and it was – I think you just got it listed. You were about just to put it live. It. Yeah. And uh, so I actually bought my place sight unseen. Uh, Tyler sent me maps and – and, uh, you know, and we'd already had, we'd looked at a few places a, a, a time or two and he knew what I was looking for. So I knew I could trust him in, in, in what he had. And, um, unfortunately the guy that had owned it before had only owned it for like, I think a year. Um, and he had passed. So his sister was looking to just sell oh. the place. Um, so, but he had, he had put a, a 12 by 24 building on it. Um, there were stands on it. Food plot was already oh, wow. established in it. Um, but I'm big on, on terrain, right. you know, and a lot like what Louie was looking for, like my place has it on a smaller scale, but it's got the, the silver maples, the walnuts, the cottonwoods, and then it goes, it goes kind of uphill to the North and it's got some, some big mature oaks and, and, uh, some oak ridges and stuff. But the way that it lays is what really got me. So it's a 40 acre piece. And it, it just sits right in the guts of just a lot of good stuff uh, between Carthage and Macomb. Mm-hmm. So, um, what is, know, is that considered the Lemoyne River bottoms or Lemoyne? Yeah, it'd be a tributary to it. Yeah, it that Crooked Creek area out through there. I mean, it was. Uh, it, I mean, like Ryan said, it was just a. It was the right little piece smack dab in the middle of, right in the middle of a lot of good stuff. It connects a lot of stuff. And I and I think when you and I talked about, it, I mean, I just told you, you know, it wasn't a piece that was going to necessarily hold the deer the way yep. it was now but come rut it was going to have those deer just moving through it i mean you, it, was, it you was, just look at it and it's like if i had to own 40 acres i would want it to be right here wow and thankfully it had you know had the food plot in it um 
It just it 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 just looked good. Uh, the thing I've been surprised on is how much walnut is on it when you look on it. Um, I don't know if it's ready to be harvested. I'm gonna uh, call this same forester guy, but um, the biggest thing that it needs is it needs thickened up. Yeah. You know, you can see you can see a couple hundred yards through there, and uh, and which I'd means really you probably like don't have a lot of invasives in there. You know, the honeysuckle and the multiflora. They're rows. starting to be, and but. I remember. Um, like in our area now, I remember when there was none of that honeysuckle. Really, and then I remember when it kind of started a little bit, and now it's out of control. But you look, it's like going back in time when I walk on my place because it's like here's a a few three foot tall bushes here, and then there's a couple up on the ridge and a few down over here. But no fifteen but foot trees at, with eight inch diameter everywhere. bases. Yeah, and so. Um, the guys from Land and Legacy, I worked a little bit with them, and they do some consulting, and they come up here and looked at it with me, and um, and they recommended fire, like you guys were talking about. That that honeysuckle has real thin bark, and when it's young, you can burn it, and it'll it'll get it pretty good. Um, but it really needs thickened up, not just for the deer, but for access too. Oh yeah, I've noticed when I've been slipping into stands, it's like. God, I can see like 100 yards through here. So. Especially now that you're losing your leaf cover. I mean, I know yeah. I've been hunting in the timber a lot this fall, and what it was like October 15th to what it's like November 15th, it's unbelievable. Like now I can see 150 yards down there, whereas one of the first sits this year, I had a deer 20 yards, and I couldn't tell what he was till he got right on top of me. Yeah. I mean, um, same stand, just the, the difference in the leaf cover. And Yep. I think if if um, for the next year, if there's anything I could do, if some of these trees are old enough to be cut, I think some of them are like in the 16, 18 inch diameter, pretty straight walnut. Yeah. Um, but is to get uh, you know maybe a skid steer or something in there, and even make some roads through there, even maybe make a crossing on the creek yep. to get some of the stuff on the south side, and then you know leave all the tops in there, and then hinge cut a bunch of stuff. So we hinge cut a bunch of maples. There's a bunch of buckeye trees which huh. we don't have a lot over on our part of the county. No, but they are over um, by Carthage. There's a lot of them. There's a bunch of hackberry, there. stuff like that. So, All right. but it's good. It's it's great. It's, um, you know, owning your own land is a, it's an amazing feeling. And uh, I don't know, it's kind of like, like having a kid. You immediately shift to more long-term thinking. Like, right. all right, it's not just about me and what I want right now. And, um, so, you know, it's, it's cool. And you, you sit there and you sit in the stand and you're like, I've got a whole notes thing on my phone of stuff that I want to get done or, man, I need to cut out a few trees there. or I need to do this or do that, or I need to change the access into this stand and all that. So, and it, it is, it, it's a long-term investment, you know, and, and again, not talking, you know, dollars and cents, but just an investment in the property and what it can can do what you can get out of it mm -hmm. and you can't have these short-term goals that all right i want to do this so i can reap the rewards next spring or next yeah. fall um you got to be thinking 5 10 15 20 years down the road yeah. so um and i'd like to you know i'd obviously like to buy something bigger of course we all would I mean, right you have 400 acres and you want 600 yeah. um but you know i was talking to uh i was talking to terry drury at a, at a winchester meeting a few months ago and uh, they all those guys have bought and sold a lot of land, and they they're selling buying some stuff with White Hill Properties now. But um, you know, I was kind of all pumped. I literally it was I was about to see it for the first time because I bought it <laughs> without seeing it, and I was telling him about it and all this kind of stuff. And uh, you know, he's he's old sage advice, old man winter. He's 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 seen some years you and a lot of properties and stuff, and and he's like, you know, the one thing I'd tell you is just don't don't get romantic about it never fall in love with with anything if if you want to 
grow it. If right. you want to flip it, you want to make. If you want to own a thousand acres, don't fall in love with your first forty. You know, you gotta you gotta look at it. You gotta be smart about it. And if the opportunity comes up to get something bigger, you you take it. You don't you don't just fall in love with it just because it's your first piece. Yeah. So. It's hard not to, though. I mean, oh, I don't absolutely. care what anybody says. I mean, um, it's – Well, I mean, you live on your property, Mike, so you're going to love it. It is. But. It's a different circumstance. But, I mean, you know, I guess like with Ryan, it's it's more of a, a twofold thing. Like we talked about, you know, off the air, it's not necessarily going to be your forever property, you know. Yeah. Um, well, and the other thing is I don't, I don't live here. Yep. I'm 800 yeah. miles from here. So it needs to be – a lot of the management stuff that I've got to do has got to be stuff I can get done in one week every six months. You know, yeah. I might have two weeks a year to do management stuff. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna plant a lot of uh, a lot of food plots that need a lot of work. Right. You know, hinge cuts and bedding thickets and burns will be a lot of what I do out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, like I don't, I'm not doing a lot of the stuff that you're doing. I, mm-hmm. Being a, a a guy that wants to really come in and 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 have a good hunt during the rut when I have time to be up here, I would rather have the right 10 acres in the right spot than a thousand acres. Oh, without a doubt. Manage. So that was a, a, a key part in buying that piece is like you could do nothing to it and come in here for the first two weeks of November and see a bunch of deer, right. you know, and you could not have a single trail camera photo of a good deer. And that wouldn't ruin my confidence in it at all because of where it lays, you know, it could have a deer move in any day on it and move through. Um, in fact, I saw a 160-inch 11-pointer the first sit within the first two hours, and I've never seen him before. Yeah, and I don't know if I ever will again. He might have just been bouncing through, but and and that that brings another level of excitement to it. You know, we we were talking on a prior episode about trail cameras and stuff, how sometimes it feels like when we go out and we sit, we know exactly what deer is going to show up at what spot because we have you know cameras and intel of it that it takes a little bit of the mystique out of it. You know, it's nice to go out and sit and just have no stinking idea what just may walk by. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a good thing. So, um, But it's it's pretty similar to yours, you know, in that it's a it's a small property. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll never live on it. Right, so. yeah. And, and it is. It's, again, you know, as Tyler said, you know, everyone will have different objectives when it comes to, you know, what they're looking for. Um, you know, our uses are going to be a little bit different. I mean, obviously, we all like to hunt and have the opportunity to, you know, harvest mature whitetails. But, um, you know, I may hunt 50 sits a year, you know, um, or more, you never know. Um, so I'm going to be looking for something a little bit different than you are. You want something that's going to be a good rut farm. So, yeah. um, and you've got it. So it's a good place to start. Uh, I'm glad to see that you you liked it. Uh, it is a little scary buying something sight unseen, but uh, I'm glad he liked it too. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> that, that that could make you're for not some, the first one to buy sight unseen. I can tell you that. Make for yeah. some awkward uh, awkward situations. So, um, no, right. but you had. I mean, you had drone photos and pictures and, yeah and yeah i kind of explained I mean, to you, you what it was and you know, like the whole south end of it was kind of more open down through there and yeah i mean it's kind of the paint the picture through what yeah. i see and i think your mom and dad maybe looked at it too didn't they or maybe i think they looked, i bought it first <laughs> i think i think maybe they looked at it afterwards or something we did we did have an awkward conversation with uh with kim and i because i'd actually i'd actually bid in an auction um at a place in knox that was a 40 and so for a year or so, like Louie was talking, you know, you got to have the wife bought in too. And, um, you know, she was on board and, and knew I was looking and we talked about it and all this kind of stuff. But then you were about to list it that day. 
And you're like, and I'd been busy, and you hadn't been able to get a hold of me, and I hadn't answered the phone. You're like, hey, man, call me. And so I called you, and you were about to go list it, and we just went like back and forth a couple of times, and I bought it. <laughs> and so Kim I was, got it home was, that it night. It was just going up online and, and uh, literally oh, you had the opportunity man. to jump on it. So, so I was like, uh, hey, babe, we uh, – Got some big news today. Guess what we bought? <laughs> we bought a farm. Yeah. And anytime you say we bought a farm, it's like the, you know. Oh, we did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like we're renovating a kitchen right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we are. We are. We our, are. Our names but. are on it, but. So I guess that uh, comes back to me, and my situation was a little bit different in several different ways. I mean. Uh, I bought my place in 2014 uh, at auction, actually, live auction. And, you know, at the time, I was not much of a hunter, um, didn't really know what I was doing. I just knew that I wanted to have a chance to buy my own land someday. And uh, I had lost some hunting ground before, um, had to eat some tags a couple of years because I just didn't uh, have anywhere to go. So... This piece had come up, and a friend of mine had seen it and said, you know what, this is the area you want to be. You know, it's kind of the size you should go look at it. So I went and drove by. I'm like, yeah, the house is too small. So I needed a place that had some recreation ground and had a house on it that I could uh, that I could live in because that's the only way that I was going to afford it um, was by uh, being able to live on the property. So Were you, were you working in Nauvoo then? Yes, okay. yes, I, I was. Um, so I wanted to be – um, between Hamilton and Nauvoo and the Conable over to the river, which for people that aren't here aren't going to understand that, but that's probably uh, about a 40-square-mile area, you know, um, but pretty – Hannibal? Hamilton. Oh, Hamilton. Yeah, okay. Hamilton. Um, Hamilton to the Conable. You know, but honestly, um, if I had to pick an area – Right where I'm at is pretty darn close to, you know, exactly where I would want to be. But, again, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know Tyler at the time. I didn't know anybody that really bought land that, you know, knew what to look for, that knew what they were doing. Um, I just knew that this was a decent neighborhood. People had told me that, you know, there's good deer in the area, good neighbors. And so I went and looked at the house, and it was horrible. Um, ultimately we ended up having to gut the house and redo it all. And I thought my wife, you know, we talked about wives being on board. I thought that was it. You know, there's no way we can get the smell of the animals out of it. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. But, uh, somehow, some way, you know, I talked her into, uh, letting me take a run at it. And, uh, I never even stepped foot out of the yard. I never once walked that timber before I bought it. Um, seeing the maps that was online, but even if I would have walked it, I wouldn't have known what I was looking for. I mean, really, I just had no clue. Um, I just knew that these things don't come for sale very often. You know, I've always followed the real estate market, so I've seen what was buying and selling. And you don't see this very often, so I knew I had to take a chance at it. And the auction come, um, and it was a, a rough day for me. Um, I was able to buy it. I paid the absolute top dollar that I said I was going to pay mm -hmm. walking into it. So, you know, it wasn't that bad, I guess. Um and then uh, we got it and started working on the house. It took us 15 months to gut the house down to nothing and before we finally moved in. So I didn't really have a whole lot of time to even think about hunting. Uh, in 2014, I hadn't bow hunted in 10 years. And even then, I, w I didn't 
seriously bow hunt before so i shotgun hunted in 14 had a stand one stand up in a horrible spot that was not working threw a ground blind up out on the field uh, was able to harvest a deer that first year and uh kept working on the house and then we moved in in uh, august of 15 and once i got the wife in we just had a baby he was three months old then i felt like all right now i can start trying to figure out what i'm gonna do here and uh the the farm did have you know it's 35 acres had nine acres of tillable on it um, which is something i knew that i wanted i wanted to have food of some sort at that time i had no idea of ever thinking about doing food plots or anything like Mm -hmm. that um you know there's a lot of terrain features almost too much terrain features i guess i mean there's a lot of 100 foot drop offs you know going down into valleys and creek bottoms and stuff around the edge of the the property um but uh more I got to learning, you know, Tyler and I had uh, started talking there not long after I bought it, towards the end of 14, and I found out that he had uh, hunted the property before, uh, was familiar with it, um, gave me some insights, and um, we kind of struck up our friendship there, and then that's where some of the uh, ideas for land management and habitat improvement and stuff like that kind of come from, uh, again, because I was extremely green and didn't know what I was talking about, so... Uh, as 2015 went on, um, we start talking about what we could do with CRP and food plots and, and things like that. And then uh, 2016 really got uh, the ball rolling on it. Um, and then uh, anytime you're dealing with uh, CRP and contracts and, you know, the government, sometimes things don't get done in a, in a timely manner. So uh, it took us a couple of years before we were able to really get going. And we got that done this year. So... Um, this year has been the big year of my farm to really get uh, um, a lot of habitat improvement. Um, I took my nine acres out of uh, cash rent and uh, put in the CP33 bird buffer uh, around all the fields. So I ended up with about four and a half acres of CRP and then about four and a half acres of food plots. Uh, put in a dry dam on a waterway this year to uh, stop some of the erosion. Um, the east side of my property is bordered by uh, power lines, and so I went into the power lines, cleaned some of that up, um, got a little bit of food going there, hope to expand on that to even add some more food. Um, so I'm also looking to uh, do a forest management plan this winter um, as part as part of uh, another CRP or equip program through the through the government um, to improve the oak and hickory stands and the timber. And part of that is to do some TSI and invasive species control mm-hmm. and uh, prescribed fire possibly. And Are you going to log anything? Is there no, anything in there to no, log? No, there's nothing really to log. Yeah. And, you know, th- there's just, there's not much timber there. There's not a whole lot of flat timber on my property. Um, it's a lot of draws and valleys and um, overgrown uh, invasives, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to maybe change that. And, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, investments, and uh, this is a long-term investment. When I look into doing this TSI and, you know, doing this uh, timber stand improvement, uh, timber habitat improvement, I'm not looking for quick results. I'm hoping that 30, 40 years from now that I still have a quality timber um irregardless of the value monetarily of the timber but the value towards the habitat is is there so that um it's a diverse um healthy timber Um, and i think that starts today by taking care of your invasives and doing your prescribed fire and select cutting and opening up canopies and you know success 
successional growth and stuff. So, you know, that's my long-term investment. Um, I may be at this place forever. I don't know. I mean, if the right piece ever comes along, I may take a chance at that again. Um, if you ever have that inclination, you may want to, and something comes up you would like to have, now's the time to do it because, you know, you may not uh, see another property come up. And I know with mine, you know, it's been four years now, uh, four and a half years that I've owned it. And in that time, there has not been one other property that has come up for sale that I thought, man, I would have liked to have had that or equally as well or more. Yeah. Just nothing, you know, so. Best time to buy land when it's for sale. It is. It is. And there's there's no doubt about that. So, um, you know, I'm happy with mine. It's a small piece of small piece of the land. Um, you know, it's a, it's a doe bedding area for sure. There's some thick areas that they bed a lot on the, the outsides of the food. Um, there is a lot of south-facing slope, which really does help. Um, but there's still a lot of improvement that can be done to it that I, that I plan to do. Uh, I'd like to try to create some buck bedding um, and then just improve the bedding overall on it. Um, but I'm really seeing a change this year with the amount of deer that I'm seeing, the not just doe family groups, you know, seeing antler deer yeah. and, you know, a, a good rut. Um, I would like to think that part of that and at least is due to the, the amount of food that's still there and limiting my access. I think that's something else on a small property. Oh, yeah. You know, sure. you don't want to be going through there bumping deer. And I used to, I used to hunt the whole south end of it and you could hardly get in and out of there without bumping deer. And this year I've just stayed totally out of it. I've hunted stands that I can really get into uh, safely. I think I've had one deer bump, you know, bumped one deer getting in or out all season this year. Um, and I think that plays a big, a big role in it too. Yeah. So, um, but I have a lot of plans that I would like to do to it. Um, you know, I, I think it, it never ends. Um, but it's kind of turned into my hobby. You know, I, I went from never having operated a tractor, um, didn't know what I was doing to now, you know, on a tractor and, all sorts of implements and, you know, planted beans mm -hmm. and clover and sprayed herbicide and spread fertilizer and, you know, the whole, the whole thing. And, um, I love it. You know, there's nothing better. Of course it helps when I happened to buy a tractor that had a cab on it that has air conditioning and a radio and, yeah. you know, yeah. I, and that was just by happenstance. I mean, I was looking for a particular kind of tractor and I found one that was a good price and it had a cab. I wasn't set on that, but I'll never go back to never, I'll never go back to owning a, a tractor with an open cab will never do it so if if you're worried about that don't buy one with a cab because i promise you you will never own one without one again yeah no dust no nothing to worry about um you can mow in the middle of the winter if you want to or if it's you know hotter than you know the dickens outside you can just turn on the air conditioner and and put on the cruise control and go so um i know it's it's changed me i mean i'm a more well-rounded person i feel like i'm a lot more knowledgeable now than i was even just a year ago um and getting my boy out there to to help with it you know he knows we go out and plant food plots and his his grandpa will ask him you know well what did you plant for the deer and he tells him cheeseburgers and french fries and, <laughs> you know i told him i guess in a way you know this probably is kind of like cheeseburgers and french fries for them i mean they really enjoy this type of food and you know especially in the middle yeah. of the winter it sure beats eating bark off of a tree you know mm -hmm. um but uh that's that's one of the most rewarding aspects for me is to get my son out there um, and then just to see the fruits of your labor. I mean, for me to go out there now and you see all the, the green clover and then you see all the staining beans with the, the interseeded greens coming in through it, the CRP. I mean, it just looks so different than what it did, the, the waterway and the dry dam, just all the stuff that we've done. A couple of years ago, Tyler and I went out with pole saws and chainsaws and 
reclaimed probably 10 foot of uh, field edge um, mm-hmm. that had crept up towards the field. and Some areas you know, was a lot more than that. Oh, it was horrible. The honeysuckle was just unbelievable. Yeah. You know, we piled up two monster brush piles. Uh, luckily, we were able to borrow the neighbor's tractor with a big old scoop bucket on it and just pushed them all up into piles because otherwise, I don't know what we would have done. I mean, it was massive amounts um, that just over the years, you know, hadn't been kept up on. Um, mm-hmm. So just little things like that that yeah. – um, you know, I don't know what – and when it comes time to, to quantitate what the benefits actually are from your work, it's hard to say. But I can see the change, and, you know, I know that it maybe if it's not better, it's not any worse than what it was. Yeah. So my plan has always been to make this 35 acres the best 35 acres that it can be. You know, I'm not going to say the best 35 acres anywhere, but just the best that it can be with what we have to work with. And that's not just for deer hunting. I mean, it's a spectacular turkey hunting farm. Um, you know, the small game is there. I'm seeing doves now, like Louie was talking. They're just everywhere. Um, so just to have the the diverse ecosystem of all sorts of stuff. I mean, the butterflies and all that type of stuff I was seeing, you know, with the CRP this year. And that's the reward that I'm getting out of it. So um, just another benefit to owning your own land. But, um, you know, my wife had to be – in this with me um had to uh sign off on it i guess her name's on the deed and you know we made some concessions i mean we could live in a lot bigger house a lot nicer house if we lived in town and didn't have 35 acres of land you know on the on the mortgage so um you know i'm thankful that she did um i I wouldn't want it any other way i couldn't imagine moving back to town at this point oh yeah it's it's just paid off well for you man it has it has you know and some good deer on there, met some great people, um, you know, where I'm at today, you know, doing this podcast here. I mean, uh, I can guarantee you it wouldn't be happening if I hadn't bought this farm. I mean, you know, it's yeah. um, just some of the, the side benefits of uh, of owning it have been fantastic. So I know I look forward to what the future has uh, in store. Um, I don't know if I'll be here forever. You know, I would like to expand on it if I ever had the chance to – maybe buy any property surrounding it or that adjoins it and I could expand what I have, mm-hmm. I could probably see myself just owning that, you know, area forever. Yeah. Uh, if that, maybe that doesn't work out or someday Tyler calls and says, Hey, I've got this 60 acres. It's just beautiful. You know, and I look at it and I fall in love with it. Then again, the time to buy it is when it's for sale. And I'm just hoping that's about 10 years from now. And this one's paid off and I have a little yeah. more flexibility to do that, but I'll call um, you nine. Give you yeah, a heads up. Yeah. Give me, <laughs> give me a little heads up. But, uh, but, no, I'm always open. When I first bought it, I said, nope, this is it. You know, I'll die here. I'll be here forever. And as it goes on and, you know, the more I learn and, um, you know, maybe maybe someday I'll just own another 40 somewhere else and have two separate properties. I don't know. but mm-hmm. um, I got one I can sell you. Yeah, no. no I, <laughs> I don't want to go over that direction. It's nice. Um, you know, so and who knows? I may buy something in Missouri or something. I don't know. I mean, I always like to keep my options open. Um, it is nice to, to own the property right where you live though, because, uh, if you got to go out and do work on it, you're just right out behind the house and, you know, it's yeah. not like a, an ordeal to 
go hunting or go work on it. I mean, you're just you're right there. If you need something, you know, you run right back to the house. And the wife still feels feels like you're home. That's exactly right, yeah. and I think that makes a huge difference, even with just hunting. Uh, there was a a couple years ago during gun season, actually, my wife uh, got really sick, got the flu, and I was at deer camp actually the night before opening day. You know, the best night at deer camp, and and she's sick, and we had a, a six month old baby at home, and so I. I came home and we were up all night with the baby and with her and, but it got to be about time to go to the woods and she was feeling a little bit better. So I asked her, I said, can I just go out hunting the stand? I mean, only a few hundred yards away. If, you know, you get sick or, you know, he wakes up crying or you need something, call me or text me and I can be back within, you know, five minutes, you know, Mm -hmm. at, at the very least. And, and we did that. And I went out and hunted for a couple hours and went back and, you know, did what I needed to do there. But if I owned a piece of property and even a half hour away, that wouldn't have been an option. I would not have been hunting. So, um, there's several, several benefits to living, uh, on your farm. And that's something that I don't think that I could do now is have my main farm be somewhere that I don't live because I'm just so spoiled with it being right out my back door. I mean, literally the, the two, shooter bucks that i have harvested have been like 150 yards from my back door i mean that's crazy you know it's just it's unbelievable so um yeah so mr sellens you know you've heard all of our stories about us buying land and um is there anything that you want to uh pitch in at this point i mean um if yeah. there's somebody out there maybe that's that's thinking about buying land, I mean, you know, are there any keys that they should focus on if they're having a hard time figuring out what they want? Or, um, I think the first step that everybody that is thinking about purchasing land needs to consider is what their own personal goals are, um, whether that's strictly deer hunting, family-oriented, uh, build a house, live on it. You know, you, you've got to figure that out, too. I mean, if, if your sole focus is just deer hunting, um, you know, things three things to always consider and look at is food, water, and cover. You know, property, if you want to grow, hold, and manage deer, you know, obviously 40 acres, you can't, you're not going to keep deer on 40 acres. You're not going to keep your deer all on 400 acres. Um, you got a lot better chance with 400 acres than you do 40, but... Um, just to have everything there, like what you have, Mike, I mean, you implemented a wild water. Um, that's one of those things that you have water on your property, but yeah, there's it's a, limited there's to a, where it is though. You have a, basically one little Creek that runs through it close to your house yep. and then the rest of the water is down on the neighbors. Yep. So you added a, an attribute there, um, you know, manipulated your property through the wild water to be able to add that closer to where food and bedding already was. Uh, Ryan, your place, you've got plenty of water running right through the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we kind of knew on your farm that it wasn't necessarily bedding habitat there, but it was the right 40 acres in the right area in the in the right block that was right smack down oh, yeah. in the middle of it. So you you was just one of those you looked at it and you knew come rut, come deer season, with a little food on your food plot that you're going to have deer there just naturally. Um, so do you do you think that that person that's looking, you know, that says I think I want to buy some recreational ground or, you know, whatever it may be. I think most people listening to this podcast are probably going to be in it for some sort of hunting uh, purpose. Do you think location needs to be, I mean, you know, a neighborhood that they want to be in or a, you know, a geographic area first? I mean, 
or does it depend? I guess it depends on how open-minded they are. I mean, yeah, see, and I deal with a lot of people that are, uh, you know, we deal with a lot of non-local people. Right. Um, we still deal with a lot of local people. You know, maybe, maybe it's Quincy or Burlington or, uh, you know, I, I'll even call Peoria local. Yeah, I mean, within know, 120 I mean, miles. It, so we get a lot of those people that, that they're more local. Um, but I always ask people, you know, when, when they when they call and they inquire on property, you show them a property and they say, hey, this isn't quite what I'm looking for. I want to know what do you like, what do you not like? Right. Because the more information you can provide me about attributes that you want on a property that you require, you know, there there's the... The, the wants and the needs. The and wants and the needs. Yeah. It, you know, the number one want that people that I get requests for is water, meaning a pond. Yeah. Um, everybody, I mean, just practically everybody would like to have some sort of a pond. Mike, you're, you're speaking. Example. Speaking. I'm to preaching the, the choir yes, right here. On you this. are. You but, are. Um, you know, people say, "Hey, I'd love to have a pond or opportunity to have a pond." It's not a make it or break it deal, but that's another recreational um, opportunity for them as a family or as an individual to be able to go out and fish or camp or, you know, those sorts of things there. So a lot of people are looking at this as more than, you know, not just a deer hunting property all the time. Now, maybe there's certain areas of it that that's just all it is, but there's maybe a small portion that, you know, the family can come stay and, you know, have a camper or things like that. So, I mean, there's just a lot of, uh, you know, you've got to really fine tune what your, what your goals are wants and needs are in a property and i guess as far um, as location goes too i mean most people are probably going to say well i'd like to be in hancock county you know if they're from let's, let's say you get somebody from north carolina like ryan all right you know i'm looking for some land but you know maybe somewhere mm-hmm. hancock whereas like me it was like specific you know this five miles by five mile areas where i wanted to be a lot know? of times the more specific somebody is to location is probably because of more local Mm-hmm. more small right. town people yeah. and or a piece of property they already own so oh. they say hey i've already got 120 over here i'd like to find something you know within 15 minutes of this property you know that that's their base camp they've already got a cabin on it they've got everything they need there but they're wanting to add on to it um you know and, and you, de- you deal with a lot of different people that have different philosophies some people their goal is to get the biggest piece of property they can get right. they buy one and they just start adding to it adding to it and adding to it now, at the end of the day, you're still hunting the same, same deer, herd. whether you're on 40 acres or 400 acres or 1,000 acres. But then you get the guy that says, hey, I've got an 80 here with a cabin on it. I'd like to own half a dozen pieces within 15 minutes. And every single farm that they have, they're hunting different deer. Yeah. So they're able Which to would be out. my preferred setup. But again, everyone's going to be different. And, and some know? people don't always think about that. They're looking at the big picture of I want this. Uh, you know, I mean, Louie, he's got a bigger farm he's able to manage he's able to hold deer put the food in the middle of it and try to hold those deer and grow them but he's whole he's hunting those deer right there right um sometimes having smaller tracks and you know what one person considers small and, and another one is is kind of to each is their own one guy may say 20 one may say 200 yeah um that is but, one thing i've enjoyed about having my place it's just on completely different deer yeah, you can hunt the, the home place and then, you know, go there and see totally different yeah. deer. And we, we all talk about hunting the neighborhood. Well, we're all, you know, if we're in that mile, two-mile radius of each other, we're all hunting the same deer. Yeah. There's still some, you know, this deer may hang out on this 400 acres, which overlaps into some of what Mike has. And, um, you know, Ryan, you may get pictures of some deer that, that Mike's getting some pictures of and I'm not getting pictures of. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's... It's all the same deer in that area, but what I like 
you know, a lot of times is, is if your if your budget allows for smaller tracts of land at different times is you buy a 40 here, maybe you hold on to it or you sell it and upgrade to a 60. And the next time you buy a 40 somewhere else and, uh, you know, have it within close proximity, you've got those different deer to go hunt. Yeah. Um, I because think sometimes, I mean, take for instance, you know, Louie's been talking this year about, you know, he just doesn't have the age structure. You're defined to that one herd. You're, you're restricted you're to that, that one, herd. one herd. But if if farm A over here doesn't have age structure this year, farm B may have great age structure and farm C's mediocre. And then next year it may flip flop a little bit around. I mean, you're yeah. going to lose some deer to some some neighbors, and and some stuff is going to get killed that you probably wish didn't. But that's the risk you run with having small tracks. Well, and, and car accidents and stuff like that too. But I know from what I've learned and from my limited experience. If we had a 240-acre maximum, I would much rather have three 80s that are separate herds of deer, you know, within, you know, a half-hour driving distance of a central location maybe, um, but spread out than to have one 240. Because as you just said, too, even with 240 acres, you're not going to hold deer there. You know, you could have a, a whole section, and you're still going to lose some of your deer there. you got a better chance, but they're still going to, to disperse some. So I would rather have three different options of three different herds of deer to hunt, like you said, it's no different than planting food plots and diversifying your food plots in case, you know, one seed just doesn't take, you've still got a couple other things, you know, to fall back on for a year. And that's mm-hmm. just for me, you know, and my options, I would rather have that than one big chunk of land that all your eggs are in one basket at that point. And Ryan, I mean, you, you, this year, you're hunting your mom and dad's and then, you know, you're hunting the deer that you always kind of hunted and known. And, and now you've had the opportunity to go somewhere else and hunt just something completely yeah. different and, I mean, you've got completely – if you've got five shooters on your mom and dad's, you've got five different shooters out here. So, essentially, you've got ten different shooters where, yeah. um, you know, if you – If, if you mom, bought a 40 that butted up to your mom and dad's and is in that same section, same you've still you got still the five shooters, thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but at the same time, though, you know, I think it is if you ever – if a person ever has, you know, a long-term goal of saying, well, I want to own smaller pieces, you know, a couple around – but I've also got my core area right here that anytime something comes up or opportunity is there next to it to add on to it, by yeah. all means do it. Buy it, yeah. control it. It just helps you grow, I mean, that much more. You see that um, in town a lot of times too. You know, a, a place will come up next door, whether it be an empty lot or an old rundown house, and someone's buying it so they can control who's in and out of there because maybe they've had a bad experience with a neighbor or something. Um, so that is one thing that if you have a bordering property come available, you may want to to mm-hmm. look at it as – um, you may I mean, end up with something undesirable if not. Louis, Louis touched on that before. I know when him and I are talking just about, you know, if if anything that borders him ever came up, you know, if if he can buy it, great. If not, he's hoping that somebody like minded that he's friends yes. with or something like that can buy it too, so they can continue to manage and, and grow what they have there. So, I mean, that's always. I always say is get right with your neighbors. I mean, that's that's uh, whether it's forty acres or four hundred. Know who your neighbors are and, and it share is. that information. And because each of you are gonna, I mean, if you're sharing what deer you've got, I mean, you're only gonna help each other out. And like with uh, with our section, the the one downside in a way, I guess, is there is a lot of ownership that is elderly. You know, um, that will probably be changing hands in some sort. Um, you know, I don't know if it'll ever hit the market or how it will be divvied up, but you know, my my home area may look totally different in ten years than what it mm-hmm. is now. You know, and that's something to always consider, and that's something that could change my mind about how long I want to stay there. Right now, we're in a great neighborhood with great neighbors, and you know, everything is is good overall. Um, but 
that may that may all change and then you know I may have to find something different to continue to meet my goals and expectations so um, but I I don't know I, I've just learned enough in in the land business that you buy it when you can and I'm so thankful that I did even though I paid premium money for mine um, I think it's worth every bit of it and, and probably some more now four years later and I would have to think that you know another four or five years and ten years from now I mean it's going to be worth more money that is a uh, a proven fact that they're not making any more land and if you can at least do some improvements but some people buy it and don't touch it and still are able to find a way to turn it into a great investment um, so um, if it's something that uh, you love and you want go ahead and do it because I've gotten I've gotten more out of it that you can't quantify with money just by using it that um you know that money couldn't buy some of those experiences yeah. that i've had so and, and things to consider when buying land um you know i get some people that want to buy turnkey oh right um you know a lot of times you're going to pay a premium for turnkey if it is in at the same time there's really no in my opinion there's no such thing as a turnkey no. done property yeah. Yeah. um i i mean everybody if you go Mike, if I bought your farm, I'm going to probably do some food plots a little different than what you're yep. doing. Um, Ryan, if you owned it, you're going to do them different than what Mike's doing and mm-hmm. different than what I would do. So you, you have you can buy what's, quote, turnkey that's set up, it's been managed. You're still going to change some things at it. Um, the other thing to, to remember if you're buying a piece of property, if you're in the market for it, and you've got this list of attributes that you have, you may not get – every single attribute on the farm you want. There is no such thing as a perfect farm no. out there. If you find it, let me know because yeah. there's people that have looked and looked and yeah. looked. But, I mean, eventually you have to settle and compromise on Prioritize, some, some aspects of a property that it doesn't have, you know, maybe not as much tillable as I wanted or trees aren't as mature as I wanted or doesn't have the pond or, you know, it's not a year Or maybe creek. find it's, the ones that have more of them that, you know, you can't do anything about. And maybe if it's lacking some, maybe those are some attributes that you can work on or that you can implement with time on your own, you mm-hmm. know, if, if it doesn't have something that you want. So At the same time, if you're looking for a solid investment to, uh, you know, buy, improve, and sell down the road and make some money on, is when you walk on that farm, you look at it and go, man, this thing's rough. It needs work. Yep. That that right there is the farm that, yeah. you, that that opportunity awaits. You can, uh, you know, if you can get it bought right, you're. It's not something that's going to happen, and you know, buy it today and and sell it sixty days from now and do a little something. But it's no different than with any other type of real estate, whether yeah. it be residential or anything else. I mean, you know, sometimes you you want to buy it where you can put in some sweat equity and um, some improvements over time, and then get that money back on the back Tra- end. Trail so. cams. I mean, that is – That's just, something I wanted to touch on, too. It, was, it amazes me the number of people that have run trail cameras but didn't keep the pictures, <laughs> ran them for a little bit, but then didn't do much with them or can't find the pictures. Guys, if you buy a farm, that's going to just help you sell it and help you get a little more of a premium later of proving some history. You know, we live in Western Illinois, but I get the question a lot of, do you think there's quality deer, right. quality animals on this property? We're in Western Illinois, so the I mean, odds th- are there. Theoretically, the odds yeah. are there. The, the the cards are in your favor. But we've all seen those properties that don't have it, actually. You know, there's an odd one out there that for what, not that it couldn't easily, but for whatever reason, it's just not there. And, you know, I get a lot of, 
a lot of uh, ribbing occasionally because I run so many trail cameras on a small piece of property. But, um, you know, as it went on, I started thinking, you know what, I'm saving a lot of these good pictures. And I know, you know, when you have a property come up or whatever, even if I see it with listing with somebody else, I always want to know what's the harvest history and what's the trail cam picture history. I mean, what has this farm proven that it can do? Um, and to me, that's that's a huge selling feature. I had a property this spring with the guy that owned it. Uh, it was over in McDonough County. He lived, the guy that owned it lived in uh, Maryland. But he had absolutely phenomenal harvest history. He kept very good trail cam photos, kept a history of those. And I was able to paint that picture when you listed the property to say, look, here's like 10 years of harvest history and here's 10 years of trail cam history. And we put a premium price on that right. property and it brought it. Yep. In a matter of literally a week, it, you know, but if I had to put that property out there and not hit it, had any of that information, that would have been a 10 times harder sale than what it was. You know, and, and something else that I want to reiterate to people too is, is my property, I have zero intentions today on selling it. It was not bought to be uh, an investment to turn around and flip, but everything is for sale. Life does happen. Things happen. And just in case I ever had to, I want that to hopefully maybe I can have ask a premium for my property because I'm going to show you the number of deer that were harvested on this property, the number of trail camera pictures of deer maybe that didn't end up getting harvested, and then all the work that I have done to it. And you hope that uh, when someone comes looking for a 35, 40-acre piece, they can see that and say, all right, that's what I want to get into because I've got the proof that even though it's a very small tract of land, it can produce great results. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I just keep on keeping pictures, and it also helps when you go to harvest something and you've got three or four years of history with something. I mean, that's a, an added bonus, but keep those keep those handy so you can show other people. I mean, uh, it's almost like kind of the thing, money talks, you know. Um, this is in black and white, but it's actually pictures. So Yeah, I mean, it's keep the – keep that keep that information because it's something that's going to pay off one day if you ever you may sit here and say i'm mike you mean i may never sell it but you never know life change things change i mean ryan you may you may have this farm a year you may have it five years you may have it 10 years who knows mm -hmm. but keep that information and when it comes time to sell it, it's just going to make it that much easier for you yeah oh yeah and um, me <laughs> yeah yeah i mean for everybody um and and i think too i kind of take uh i take pride in and you know, some of the pictures that, uh, that my farm has produced or even some of the harvest that it's produced too, being a small piece and having good success. I mean, that's something to, to be proud of. And keep in mind, I mean, everybody, you know, to each is their own too. It's not, uh, we may get caught up in the trophy and the, in the age class and this and that, but to some people that's not as important. No, either. no. I mean, it's a, you know, everybody's got different goals and dreams and um, to some people, the the history matters. To some, it doesn't. But I'm amazed at how many people they just they call and they say, "Hey, I'm I'm looking for the right piece, but it's got to be the right piece in the right area that's got the proven history." Yeah. Show it to me, and I'll buy it. If you don't have it, then I'd don't. rather have the information or have the proof and not need it than not have it and need it. Because know? a lot of these people are, I mean, they're. I'm working with you know some people right now that, I mean, they're retiring. They've saved their entire life, and they want to buy one piece of property. Right. They don't want to buy a property, hunt it two or three years, and then realize, man, it doesn't have quite the deer on it I wanted, and have to sell it and then go find another one. You know, their their time's not necessarily on their side. I mean, we're we're on our I'll say yeah. younger end of things, but we're we're aging too. But that's that's years of your life that that if you if that's important to you, you want something that's turnkey or it's got the proven history. Yeah. So. 
and I just got lucky. I mean, don't do things the way that I did it. Don't go and, you know, buy a farm blindly with nobody that knows what they're talking about telling you that, you know, this will meet your needs. Uh, I very easily could have bought a, a 35 acre gar hole and just been stuck with it. Um, so don't do that. Call a, you know, knowledgeable uh, person that uh, is trusted. I mean, whether it be somebody from Whitetail Properties or, you know, your local, uh, whoever you have local to you. Um, but there's a reason why um, there are brokers out there, real estate brokers out there and land specialists out there because you know what you're doing. Yeah, Ryan, I mean, when you bought yours, we didn't have trail cam history. We didn't have harvest history. We didn't have anything. Hmm. But we could set at the 10,000-foot level and look at the farm and say, hey, that's right in the middle of a lot of good stuff. Oh, yeah. It should have the deer. And when I got boots in the ground, I was able to go through the property and say, hey, you know, there's." it wasn't like, well, I think there's a trail that goes through here. It was like, wow, there's a trail. That, I mean, it's beat down. You knew yeah. there was the deer numbers there. And so just by law of average, there's got to be some quality, should be some quality animals through there. And we looked, there were some larger, fairly larger tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew the kind of after the fact i realized i knew the guy next door um to your west there so i knew yeah he was kind of like-minded and yeah so i guess we never talked about good hood you got uh any turkey hunting on your place yeah i've seen a lot of turkeys out there um i've got uh quite a few pictures of them in the food plot and uh yeah it'll be good so you got some mature timber to for roost trees yep. and stuff on there. yep there's several kind of uh ridges high ridges out there and and granted they don't have the honeysuckle right. like we do over here so there's yeah. still a lot of kind of pretty big hardwood ridges and stuff i'll let you know how it hunts this year. yeah yeah let me we'll, know <laughs> send me pics we'll be sure to save let, your kill shots yes, you're right we'll be sure to let you know <laughs> And that's not even a full joke, actually. So, <laughs> um, you'll just get a random picture from your farm with the dead turkey this year. Just save them. Um, yeah, I'll just text you see what what season Roger has. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's it's uh, it's been great for me to you know be able to sit around like minded individuals and learn and find other people that are in the same types of situation that you are. Um, you know, we. We share stories. We check on each other how our food plots are doing or how our seasons are going. And uh, that's another been a, a great thing for me this season is just kind of having more of a, uh, a team mentality, I guess. You know, since we've started this podcast, you know, we're all kind of checking in with each other how things are going. And uh, that's a big part of, of hunting is, you know, sharing it with other people. So uh, we hope that all of our listeners have enjoyed hearing our stories and some of our insights and getting a little bit more knowledge on our uh, our own farms and uh, kind of what we have. We do have a lot more plans to really dive into food plots, uh, some more of the land management type of stuff. Uh, we'll probably hit on that a little more in the off season uh, when hunting has kind of died down a little bit. And, Ryan, you'll be back, what, sometime probably in spring, summer? Um, yeah, probably early spring. So, you know, we'll get you back on as well and see how the, the progress on, on your property goes as well. And so everyone mm-hmm. can kind of keep track with that. And, uh, um, you know, the work never ends, but, you know, I I don't know what else I would rather do. So uh, it's good to learn. It's fun to learn. Um, I wish I could have been here when you had the Lane and Legacy guys here, but uh, I had to be out of town that day. So maybe the next time they come, we can uh, yeah. get together with them as well and, you know, I just love talking to, to people that like to talk about this kind of stuff. So um, we thank you again for all your time and spending a little time with us while you're back. I know you got a lot of things to do when you're 
back home, but uh, this was a, this was a good time. So yeah, it's been uh, good to be here, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, so I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up for our land episode, and we do thank you for joining us. Today.